This week, we begin in Irving, Texas, where jealous rage ends in a mother-daughter double homicide. We then continue to stay in the Dallas area, where a young college girl is murdered, but the motive, suspect list, and evidence don't seem to add up. Get ready for episode 23 of Texas 1031. I took geography my freshman year, and that was the year my brother came back from golf boarding school and was in my freshman geography class because it became a credit when he was a senior and it had to be taken. So my brother was in my fucking geography class as a freshman. Ooh, you want to hear something interesting about my geography class? As a sophomore with a bunch of freshmen, Uh I sat next to and had a crush on someone who became a murderer. What? Yep. This guy, Austin. Got of course, a, his name's Austin. I know. Ugh. You got in a fight with his. I, I would I would cover it, but I know her, and I don't want to cover it. Okay. But she, they had broken up. He and this girl Christine, they dated for a couple of years. They broke up. He moved to Austin. He uh-huh. came back one time. Oh yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Thank she you. She was dating this guy Stephen. He came to her parents' house where they were hanging out. They got in an argument, and she was like, get the fuck out of my house. And then Steven intervened, and he pulled out a gun, and he shot Steven. What? Yeah. Wow. And then he fucking fled, and they caught up to him. And I can't. He's not on Murderpedia. I can only find very little about it, but it's like. Of course. But she's good now. She's engaged in having a baby. But yeah, this kid that was dead, like, fucking everyone i knew knew him my friend emily was like she like dated him for a little bit but they had stayed close for years and years and years yeah and i had a crush on him sat next to him in geography i mean i thought mine was bad because all my friends thought my brother was cute your brother is very cute shut the fuck i'm sorry (laughs) and you are too so it's okay it's in the genes Hey Cassie. Hey Hannah. How's it going? Um, it's very late at night. How's it going with you over same. there? It, <laughs> it's the same time over here. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, do you welcome recommend- to the show. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, this is episode twenty-three. Cassie just told you guys that that that's the episode number, yes. and it should be good. I think I we. So. I feel like both of our murders this week are kind of involving jealousy mm-hmm. and anger and they're in the same area of town yeah. kind of. So we were kind of on the same wavelength. Yeah, we have a, a little bit of a theme, mm. a horrifying theme. Indeed. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, um, do you have recommendations to start out the episode with? The only thing I can think of is I finally, we both finally finished I'll be gone in the dark and I finished way before I know you did and I started way before you (laughs) (laughs) I just did it I parceled it up and then I listened to it all in the last like two days and Patton Oswalt made me cry so I mean I just ran Kane ragged for two days straight just to be like no you really want to stay outside so I can finish this right (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's 
what's happening. Yeah, it's a great book. If you still, if you haven't gotten it, or like Hannah, if you're waiting for a hard copy, just go ahead and get the Audible. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Way, way better. Um, I have a recommendation. Yay! Santa Clarita Diet season two on Netflix. The Is that a good show? F- it's the funniest shit of my life. Oh, okay. I binged last season, binged this season. Like, I couldn't wait for the next season to come out. And it is so funny. It is so funny. And I don't know why people are like, mm. it's about like, a, she's like undead. And like, it's about the family trying to like track down. She like kills people, but it's hilarious. Yeah, it, I, it looked... The only trailer I saw like looked a little bit campy, and I was like, it is, I don't but understand. it's not right. Like if it's done well, yeah. Then. And the plot, the first season plot, kind of dragged on, but this one was like, oh, bam, bam, bam. There's new shit every episode, and it really picked up the pace, and it's really cool. They made oh good made a lot better. It was good. But anyway, oh cool. I'll have to watch that. Then. It's really funny. Yeah, because it's been looming in my Netflix, you know, suggestions for. A while now. Oh, I thought of something else. Um, As usual. Splitting up together with uh, (laughs) Jenna Fisher. Shut up. (laughs) Uh, She has a podcast? Is that a podcast or a show? Sorry, it's a show. Okay. I I watch it on Hulu. Like, it just updates. It's every Tuesday, but it's a sitcom without laugh tracks or anything. But Jenna Fisher, Pam from The Office, and basically her and her husband are getting a divorce oh, but she's yeah. staying in the garden yeah they switch off i think their- i saw a preview for that it's really something. good it does I look like cute it. yeah, yeah. So, she looks so much better without that curly hair i love her so much um i have a correction from last episode mm. i fucked up i said diana zamora in reference to uh when we were talking about mothers who kill or i mm-hmm. brought it up i meant diana lumbrera Really? Because Zamora sounded super it right to is. me. It oh, is. Or okay. it's not right, but it is familiar. She was also, she killed a woman because she found out she was like sleeping with her boyfriend. I don't know. Something oh. like that. I had just watched a thing about it and I think it was like in the back of my mind. And it's not even Diana Zamora. I think it's just Diane huh. Zamora. So it's Diana Lombrera, well, everyone. We both took it and ran. I like <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm leaving that in there. I sound cool because I knew all the people. Not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And speaking of the last episode, I hope no one was too shaken up by the content that we presented. It was I it was rough. You guys. Yeah. And she warned you too. Yeah. So I'm glad she added that warning in because as I listened back to both of our stories, I was like, Ugh. Yeah. These were brutal. So hopefully you guys are all still with us and uh, we'll continue to bring you terrible, terrible yeah. stories. We have more dead women this episode so um a positive little mention i wanted to thank our newest like itunes review it was a really really sweet review uh the name's weird i chris pine is my bitch thank you for your nice review it was really sweet should i read it yeah read it let's brag on ourselves a little bit we don't have twenty-seven thousand listeners who (laughs) we don't even have like a (laughs) hundred All right. They said, I stumbled across this podcast while looking for something covering Jennifer Ertman and Elizabeth Pena. And after listening to that episode, I subscribed immediately. Thank you. And I'm sorry for the ones you heard after that sounded like crap. Um, the hosts are hilarious when it's appropriate, respectful of the victims and the victims' families, and even uh, and thorough in their research. I'm not even from Texas, but this is still one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you so much. Thank you. That is so sweet. Yeah. Everyone should just go write something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was listening to the MFM Minnesota today and they mentioned something about always them. (laughs) (laughs) You wait, what? I said, I'm so over them, but not really. A little, a little. They're getting a little bit like 
Did anybody else do the cult? And yeah, we heard the fan cult was shafted. terrible, stupid thing for the pre-sales today. Anyway, but they mentioned how sometimes people come up to them at like meet and greets and stuff. They're like, you covered my cousin or blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And yeah, like, yeah. Their first reaction is like, oh, God, are you mad? And I totally felt the same way. Yeah. I started thinking about that. Like, man, I really, really hope that mm-hmm. someone who was related to one of the victims would listen to what we're doing and go like, thank you. Well, because uh, the Sheila Wysocki lady, she yeah. listened back to when I covered Angela Samoda mm-hmm. and my mom was like, you guys need to be careful because mm-hmm. you could have said something offensive. And we could like, have. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I'm glad that she was okay with it. But yeah, because it's still very, very scary. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> so that's MSM nice to has hear. like so fucking many listeners mm-hmm. that it's like. The likelihood be, is yeah, so crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the likelihood of talking about someone who got murdered that is whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But yeah, we got some nice interactive and encouraging activity on all of our social media accounts. A lot of uh, other podcasts have been super supportive over Twitter. So thank you. Um, One last thing that I'll mention. I'll be in Dallas this Saturday. Oh, yeah. That's the Saturday. 21st. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's the Texas Podclips meetup at uh, Will Call Bar in Deep Ellum. Used to be Liquid Lounge, evidently. But yeah, it starts at 7. Come say hello to everyone else because you don't know who I am. So Mm -hmm. it's fine. Um... Cassie's first this week. Do you have anything else to say before we start? I don't think so. Let's do this. All right. So this week, I am telling you all the terrible story of the murder of Michelle Fuller and Desiree Hoskins. I'm surprised that you knew that it was Desiree based on spelling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I want to say I was like, I think I might have grappled with it, but I, I don't think I did. I think I... Is that really your fault, though? Or is it like... It's a weird way to spell it. It's a cute that way. That sounds bad because the lady's dead, but it's fine. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's a very unique way. So um, these murders Thomas, were... Thomas, correct? Thomas or Thompson? Last what? name of the daughter? Hoskins. Hoskins. <laughs> I was like, who are you talking about? Sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm these s- were done at the hands of Tyrone Cade. Um, he will be referred to mostly as Cade during this, which I understand is also kind of a first name. So don't get confused. His name is Tyrone Cade. So, we begin. Michelle Fuller was born on June 3rd, 1973, and her daughter Desiree Hoskins was born October 21st, 1992. Michelle, who was a Belize native, um, she immigrated when she was nine. Yeah, super cool. She got her American citizenship and at age 37 was working at a rehabilitation facility. Um... Like I said, she was 37 years old when her beautiful life was stolen from her. Her daughter, Desiree, who was looking forward to prom and enlisting in the Navy, was only 18. Both their gravestones would list their end as March 27, 2011. Michelle had been dating a supreme piece of shit, 30, well, 39-year-old Tyrone Cade, since at least 2007. That's I couldn't find the exact date, but from where everything lines up, it's right around 2007 when they started dating. Um, he lived with her and Desiree in the home that Michelle owned. Um, this was in Irving, Texas, where they lived. So that is pretty close to Dallas. They were in Dallas County. Yeah. So it's kind of a shitty area, but is it? Yeah, like it's like kind of right before Arlington, I believe, before or after Arlington. It's just kind of run down. It's older. Oh, okay. It's just a lot of, I don't know, like 
abandoned car dealerships and shit. So one of those towns that you kind of just drive through and you're like, I'm yeah. glad I don't have to pee here because there's nowhere to pee. Like, yeah, but it, it's like it blends in with everything. Like it just, okay. the cities before you get to like the actual Dallas, Dallas, it's like right kind of right before downtown, depending on what direction you're coming from, obviously. But I mean, it just bleeds together to where it's just like, here we are. I don't know. It's this just kind of shitty. Yeah. There's always like construction and shit and it's just annoying. Oh, fun. Okay. Not so much. So we have a time and place now. Ugh, doesn't sound pleasant. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> no, because I, I really didn't know anything other than it was near Dallas. Yeah. I don't it's look up that nothing stuff. special. We're not going to give you the history of the town. Mm. Tyrone Cade had a really rough upbringing. Um, he had a low IQ and he had some emotional problems. You know, nothing too out of the ordinary. Um, he was also known to have a nasty temper and at the same time, all the charm in the world. He could turn it on when he needed and he could also flip a switch and be a completely different person. Sounds so familiar. It does, it does. It's almost as if these are all the same men. Mm. <laughs> Um, so in 1999, Cade violently raped a friend of his after she took him home to her apartment just to show him around. It was a new apartment. They were friends. They had been out drinking um, earlier with herself and some of her coworkers, and they were close enough that she wanted to show him her apartment. Um, they were both in relationships at the time as well, and she said that they had never dated nor had anything romantic ever occurred between them. After showing him around her apartment, she puts her hand on the doorknob to leave and go see her boyfriend when Cade grabbed her arm and threw her to the ground. She said, I quote, the more I fought, the worse it got. She ended up actually feigning consent, even convincing him to put on a condom. Mm -hmm. um, but then she was able to grab a small knife and try to stab him. And it was a superficial wound and the assault continued. I mean, hey, that's really smart thinking mm -hmm. in the time of crisis, man. Really smart. She said that he just kept getting more and more violent. And I guess that was the only way that she could he's keep like, herself well, alive. He's like one of those guys that like wants you to be scared during the rape, you know, that the, they want to see that fear. They don't want it to be consensual. Right. You know, that's part of the dominance and control. Right. You know, he even said at one point during the assault, don't make me kill you like the last girl. Don't know much more about that statement, but obviously court system didn't really care. That's a full-on threat. I yeah. mean, it's not a literal, but you know, it's still it's, a threat. Yeah. That's, that's not okay. I feel like that. I looked up the laws on, Texas laws on rape and stuff, and, you know, it's taken from aggravate or from regular sexual assault to aggravated if there's, like, threat on your life or if they're, like, kidnapped or, you know, these mm -hmm. different parameters. And I feel like he definitely threatened her life that... Yeah, Should whether have there was no girl, other girl or not. Right. Like, it's... Not okay. Yeah. So the case went to court in 2002, and he received three years probation. Oh, shut the fuck up. Three fucking years probation. <sighs> the brave woman um, that he made a victim gave her tearful testimony of this atrocity during Cade's sentencing phase for the murder of Michelle and Desiree. Um... When he raped this woman, she was 22 in college. She had a job at a broadcasting company. When she was testifying, she was now 33, pregnant, and in jail on drug charges. Oh, so it just ruined her life. Mm -hmm. She said, "What a piece of fucking, fucking shit! Shit!" And Ugh. justice system did nothing about it. Sorry. Um, she said, "I quote: He took everything from me, and he didn't get anything for it." 
In 2003, though, so a short time after that sentencing to the disgustingly light probation term, um, he violated the term of his probation and was sent to jail for three years. So he got jail time, but... Woohoo. Exactly. Yeah. So on the night of March 27th, 2011... Cade came home from a night at a strip club. I think he was out with his brother or cousin. That wasn't important. So um, he came home to the tension-filled house that he had been sharing with Michelle. She had recently found out that he was a registered sex offender and had been trying to kick him out, but he would not leave. She was done. She was done with the relationship. They hadn't had sex for months. It, I read in one of the testimonies they hadn't had sex for about three months. So I assume that's the amount of time that she had been trying to get this fucking leech out of her house yeah. and just to no avail. She and Desiree, her daughter, um, who, like I said, also lived with her, had just gotten back from a vacation to Florida where they went to Disney and they saw Desiree's father, who was Michelle's Mm -hmm. ex-husband. Michelle and her ex had kind of started getting flirty and rekindling some of their uh, lost flame. Yeah. Cade had become suspicious of Michelle and he actually set up a secret recording device in their bedroom. So he got home this night listened to the recording and was furious when he heard Michelle Skyping with her ex. Um, Apparently this was like a provocative Skype. So I'm not sure what was going on, but he could tell that they were romantically involved again. Um, None of your business. Exactly. Like she wants you out. You're fucking done. Mm. But he's crazy. Socko, socko, (laughs) psycho, jealous stalker. Socko. Socko. Psycho. Um, so um he woke up michelle with the knife that he kept near the bed pointed at her face and questioned her he says that she wouldn't shut up i guess she was you know obviously shaken up that he had a knife and was probably yelling at him and he snapped he proceeded to stab michelle 38 times when her 18 year old daughter desiree came in to help her mother after hearing her screams Kate attacked her and stabbed her 28 times. Jesus. So this isn't a one and done. I snapped. I did. This is, what is that? 38 plus 28. That's fucking, that's math. That's a lot. That's not something that you, you snap and you can stab somebody and it can be a fatal wound or whatever. But like you, you snap and you kill two people and yeah. overkill like that. On both. Exactly. I mean, I could maybe see this doing it to the second, to the daughter just because he's so, mm. you know, adrenaline and yada, yada, but it's still, you just, you, you, you need to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. He then raped Michelle's oh, corpse. Shut up. Yep. So he defiled the corpse. Great guy. Really stand-up guy. I don't know how you can get an erection when, just, just like the Brock Turner thing. How yeah. are you, do you, why, how, how? Yeah. Like, there's nothing you, no. I mean, there are times in. <laughs> Sorry, that was not clear, but. Loving relationships incredible. I've been in where one of us just, we, things want to happen, but things are just not biologically happening at that moment. Yeah. And then you think about these fucking psychos that look at a dead, a dead body person, or they look at a child person. or an oh. unconscious woman and they get sexually aroused. Like, it's just sickening. Mm. Oh, I don't understand. Um, so he then burned some photos of he and Michelle and of Desiree in the barbecue pit. Um, later that day, Jeez. so he came home late at night, so we are now into the wee hours of the morning when the murders are committed. Later that same day, 
He confessed to the murders to his own daughter's mother. She drove him. She, he was in the car with her. And he just confessed to murdering two women. And this bad bitch drove him to the police. And he confessed in the lobby of the Dang. police station. Yeah, I mean, you'd think your own daughter might try and like... Oh, that's his his daughter's mother. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so like the baby mama. Okay, got it. Yeah, but she... Oh, good for she her. She did the right thing. Yeah, because yeah. that had to be terrifying. Well, because she's like, he could come after me. Yeah. Or whoever. Yeah, and he obviously... My I daughter, mean, you know? He consented to being driven to the police station because he confessed immediately yeah. in the lobby, too. So that's a little weird as well. Yeah. Like you were saying, like he seemed remorseful. Yeah, just like, I need to get this off my chest. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. So his trial began in August of 2000. What? That makes no sense. August of 2012. Uh. I did 2002 instead of 2012, oh, but 2002, a, they didn't know each one other. One number off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so his defense attorneys, um, Leyland Clipper Peel, John Tatum, and files. Richard Flake Franklin. Sorry. Clipper, get the fuck out of here. You are a, a man K. of the law. Is it a C or a K? Clipper Peel? Clipper Peel. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Leyland Clipper Peel. No, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> um, they sought the insanity plea and mercy from the jury. They said that he was not sane at the time of the murders. No. And he just snapped and exactly. The prosecutors, Heath Harris, Jason Hermes, and Rachel Jones, said he knew exactly what he was doing. Harris said in a statement to jurors, the insanity defense, are you kidding me? And he continued saying that the stabbings and rape were all about control, dominance, punishing, and retribution. Um, one of the doctors that examined him said that despite his bipolar disorder and mm-hmm. schizophrenia, he was not legally insane at the time of the murder. So. Well, and that's what the big issue is, is there's, I think there's multiple different ki- types of, you know, insanity pleas or defenses, yeah. but you know, the main one that everyone assumes is like, you're just crazy all the time, but it's usually actually if you had lost your shit during the crime. Right. You could be totally sane before and after, mm-hmm. or it's, you know, the other one is like, you're not fit to stand trial or whatever because you don't know what's going on. But people don't realize that it's like, they just mean no when you're doing the crime, which is just so silly to me, kind right. of, because it's like, I don't know. How can you definitively tell? Right. How can you prove that Unless that person you're in your blacked out or they, yeah. Yeah, that's, no. Yeah, I mean... Our Fred Edmund Kemper, he mm. was able to trick all kinds of people into thinking yeah. that he was sane when he wasn't. So I think it, you know, a lot of the times insanity pleas do not work, but it's possible that you could get your shit together enough if you're smart enough and definitely claim that you were insane. But that takes so much pre-planning of like, I got to act crazy before and I got to act crazy mm-hmm. after and I got to make sure I act crazy during, you know, and the ones that we've heard of that have gotten the, it's all the fucking mothers. Yes. You know, they were nuts before they were nuts after. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I see that. But the, right. these guys, he fucking, he, he recorded the Skype phone call. Like yeah. you knew what you were doing. Yeah. He was premeditating. Yeah. Uh, an angry and jealous yeah. situation. Yeah, exactly. So like he continues fucking pissed at her. Um, so let's see. No, no, no. Um, be really quick. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. jurors deliberated. Wait, start that over because that was probably loud. 
<laughs> well, you did it in front of the mic. So. Well, okay. <laughs> now let me open it. Okay. So jurors deliberated after hearing um, victim impact statements from Michelle's family, um, namely Michelle's mother and Desiree's grandmother, um, Cade's 1999 rape victim, and an ex that he had stalked for months in the 90s. This guy. Yeah. So the jurors deliberated for only 90 minutes and found him, or cross that out, and sentenced him to death for the capital murders that he had been found guilty of. So in October of 2017, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals struck down an appeal that he had made due to what he claimed was insufficient counsel. Mm -hmm. They found something like 12 errors in the proceedings on his defense's side. Was it legitimate or? No. No. no, the ju- it was it was pretty fucking stupid. Okay. Yeah, the judge. Sometimes that's pretty valid. But, exactly, yeah. and that's why we have that appeal. Yeah. But the judge is like, um, no, mm. I'm sorry. So um, he currently sits on death row with no set execution date. Jeez. Yeah. So 37 year old Michelle Fuller and 18 year old Desiree Hoskins were well loved and are very well missed. Um, I was looking at their obituary page on legacy.com and they have hundreds of like pictures and messages from people that have continued you know even five six years after their passing um so mother of two michelle is spoken highly of like i said on her legacy page and desiree's death cast a dark shadow on her high school's graduating class um i think the superintendent of her school said that she was well loved by everyone and everyone loved her and so it's just you know no one's happy to graduate anymore um they were both happy kind loving wonderful people so you know that is that's the story of their death their stabbing by this fucking piece of dog shit so he's not nice Questions and theories. Um, my first thing is probation for rape. We've talked about this before, how if these offenders who they commit violent acts mm-hmm. against a woman or against anyone, like if they're held to a little bit stricter of a punishment, hmm, maybe murder could be prevented. Right. Like these people, it's like textbook this shit happens. They escalate. They hide because That's we don't. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, he started with the girl from the 90s. Yeah. Just stalking her, right? Exactly. And then it moves to rape. And yep. how long had he possibly been stalking her and she didn't even realize it? Or, yeah. you know, had that weird obsession. And the way that we treat rape victims in this country, I don't even know if she told during the trial, you know, in 2002 or for her rape, if she told them that he had threatened to kill her like he killed the last girl she, because she said she didn't even tell her parents she was so ashamed and it's like well she obviously told someone because it's mm-hmm. in the article right i would assume that she would probably if she's I gonna divulge so. it at any point it would be during the trial i hope so but it, it, and you kind of also hope not because it, if you look at that and the judge still says okay probation yeah. he'll still be out free to do whatever he wants basically and it's like there's no rehabilitation he was in the sex mm-hmm. sexual offenders um not a rehabilitation class there was another word for it but he got kicked out so it's like because he wouldn't comply with anything and it's like well, what the fuck Problem is the point with it? Like, it okay this goes back we both listened to the brock turner episode with generation y and the, i keep Fantastic. mentioning this but they do a big spiel on rape culture, rape mm-hmm. victims, and 
I when I said if she's going to divulge it at any point, you know, at least, it, you know, it, it should have been during the trial. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know, because you had just said she didn't even tell her parents. And I wrote down, you know, doubting the victim. You know what I mean? Yep. She didn't even want to tell anyone this because she figured that people would probably not believe her. Yeah. And it's just so sad because they mention all this stuff that it's not taken seriously. No. No one. What did they say? Like. <laughs> you're not gonna about like being robbed or being your house yeah, being burglarized you don't, or like, something like well, that. Well, why did you park your car in yeah, that yeah. area? Why do you drive such a nice Victim car? Victim blaming for yeah. other crimes, and this is the only crime that really it shifts. Mm-hmm. the blame onto the supposed victim or exactly. whatever you want to call it. People so. always have the defense of like, well, there are women who mm-hmm. make false rape, whatever. And it's like, yeah. yeah, they do. And they pretty much always get found out. Like yeah, you there's can't no evidence to yeah, whatever. But. You can't use those shitty women as a, an between. example. And yeah, you, you can't discredit an entire gender mm. suffering from all these crimes. like And, and men. God, do you think that they don't true. believe men women? Too. They don't believe men. Oh, they hell don't no. Think, men have no, no rights when it comes rape to that. Me, or even another man could rape me. Like, no, they don't believe any of that shit. So mm-hmm. It's horrible the way we look at yeah. sexual assault in this country and how it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to go on that rant. Yeah. Yeah. Not- yeah. But so, <laughs> yeah, there, if there was any sort of actual punishment laid out for him, any sort of rehabilitation given to him, like, like they said in Generation Y, we incarcerate and punish, we do not rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, that's, you know, these two women, she didn't even know. My One of my thoughts while I was researching this, I was like, God, why would she be dating a sex offender? But it's like... At he's that, not going to fucking tell her. He's not going to tell her. And at that point in time, Google and stuff, it wasn't as big as it is now. And she was from a different generation. So mm-hmm. she might not have thought to Google his name. And even sometimes if you do Google someone's name, it could take some digging to oh, get. Oh, yeah. And cost money. I mean, yeah. So I actually rewatched the original Catfish documentary with Jay the other night. Oh, he had never uh, seen it. He really? No. Oh, I love it. And I was like, this all happened in like 2008, 2009, 2010. And it's like, holy crap. You know, it's so commonplace now mm-hmm. to doubt people's, you know, identity and people's yep. motives and yada yada before you date someone. But it's like, yeah, this happened in what, 2007, right? Yep. And so. Uh, 2011. Oh. But they met in 2007. Okay. Yeah. So they met so, in 2007. Yeah. So it's like. Even still, right there is a perfect example that you mm-hmm. just don't think to do that. Yeah. You know? And I and apparently he was so charming and, you know, it's like... Yeah, they seem nice. Exactly. It's fine. Yeah. I wrote on here... This is kind of sad because I feel like we're actually talking more about his first rape victim than mm-hmm. the actual murders. But yeah. I feel like this is all, you know, systemic from... Or it stems from this incident, if not further back. Yeah. But I wrote down another thing about how, you know, that judge sentenced him to just three years probation and how we said, you know, she or you said that lady got pregnant. She was in jail for drug charges and how it just ruined her life. And it's just like, it's so crazy to see the domino effect of a judge who doesn't, you know, pose the correct sentencing mm-hmm. on someone. Who doesn't and listen. how it affects their life yeah he got put in jail for three years after the fact but it's like that's she so much happened it doesn't matter at that point you know what i mean and it's just so sad to see how 
improper sentencing and, and just this stigma that is attached to this type of crime affects in people in so many different ways. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, ugh. you look at, like, reading... And they probably didn't take her seriously no. after the fact because they're like, oh, she's a drug addict. Right. You and know? it's, like, it's well, like, well, hi, actually, I spiraled down because I was raped and yeah. you guys gave him probation. Like, Even if he did get put in jail, you don't know. She could have been affected in the same exact way, regardless yeah. of the sentencing. But it just my point is, like, you know, don't be a douchebag and sentence lightly like yeah like there's we have these laws in place for a reason so that we make examples of these people and get them off the street it'd be nice if we also rehabilitated them but i feel like there's probably not a lot of victim outreach as well because Mm -hmm. women who are raped by and large they just they I mean, it takes a piece of you, so it's... You don't want to talk about it. No. I, mean, I have no room to talk. I don't know anything about yeah, that me either. personally, but it's just funny because it's like either they're sentenced super light, mm-hmm. like this probation, or they're sentenced relatively harsh and it's normal, but then they get out. Yeah. And it's they like, always, they know? always get out. And they do have that attached to themselves forever, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, have... sometimes. But th- if they abide by the rules, they correctly register their address they correctly get a job they correctly maintain their boundaries around schools or this that or the other whatever their offense was but it's like he he rigged the system he got Mm -hmm. away with it so it's like you still i don't know it's such a lose-lose it is people are ruined forever i don't know it's just and i read that in certain states for certain crimes you are only on the you don't have to be on the sexual offender registry for life there's like a statute of limitation for it and it'll go away (laughs) if you are good enough and it's like what the fuck makes rape any different if it happened yesterday or 15 years ago that woman's life was still or that man's life was still you can't say anyone's good behavior if you're not trying to rehabilitate anyone right like they're just good at playing the system right like and if you thought about it, like, even more so, even a bigger domino effect, if this judge would have put him in jail in the first place, he might have been still in jail. Mm-hmm. He might have moved to a different part of town and never met Michelle and Desiree. Yep. And this could have been completely avoided. Yep. That, that goes right into my, one of my next points. Like, why did it take him actually committing a murder to finally be held to mm-hmm. his crimes and put where he deserves? Yeah. yeah it's like the... We had the warning signs in place, you know, and it's like... Which is weird because usually when, at least from what I've listened to, read, seen, what have you, if you're a stalker, if you're a sociopath, if you're coercive, controlling, and yada yada, murder doesn't really phase you. Right. You know, it... it, Yes, he got caught, but my point was he, he reacted so, you know, horrified at his actions. Right. Did he confess immediately in the first rape? Um, no, he denied the first rape altogether. So it's like, what, what triggered it and to I, make, di- be different? It didn't mention, so during the trial, um, he <sighs> seemed pretty unaffected. They showed the autopsy photos and he, mm-hmm. you know, averted his eyes, covered his face. Um, I think at one point he did cry, something like that. But when the woman he raped testified against him, he all of a sudden went from slouching back in his chair and just kind of looking not even phased by everything to sitting forward at attention and just staring into her like so that to me makes him a little bit more cold and calculating like he was trying to come off a specific way for sure but i don't i don't think he was like sociopath in the sense that the murders didn't affect him but i think he's just selfish jealous he wants to dominate he wants Mm -hmm. to be in control and 
Maybe he wanted to get caught to get attention, to get, you know, I don't know. He did say he also wanted to, he was like, just speed this shit up. I want to die. Give me the death penalty. But then he goes back on it. They always do. We've covered a couple of cases where they're like, oh, just let me die. Mine last week. It's yeah. like, I want to die. And then later they go do a bunch of appeals and waste a he, bunch of yeah. fucking money. And it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, you are so upset that you are in trouble now. That yeah. is all you care about. But then why confess in the first place? Was it right. a moment of actual clarity and you're like this is the right thing to do i know i fucked up and you'd rather just get it over with and deal with it yeah maybe he thought my sentence would be lighter if i actually confess rather than trying to cover this up because 28 and 38 times like that's that's a lot of blood to clean up that's you defiled a corpse yeah he immediately went and confessed to old baby mama Mm -hmm. and then to the police i don't know that's weird it's just not typical i guess of what is Mm -hmm. what we've normally seen or what is normally seen yeah like everything up until this it's like okay he stalked an ex okay he raped a woman okay he was jealous and angry and it seems to be a pattern when he's drunk yeah Yeah, and then he murders and then confesses Mm -hmm. and and, you know it is it's weird it kind of like jumps the script a little bit but again i mean maybe that's part of the whole thing is that he just wanted someone to notice what he did mm. they want he wanted you know the attention to be on him he wanted that trial he wanted everyone to see what he's capable of yeah i mean he said to the the first girl i've killed someone before mm-hmm. threatening her with that so it's like he wants people to know mm-hmm. he can kill i wonder, I wonder if, if he did kill someone. i know i was gonna say i wonder if anyone put any like stake in that claim and decided to just probably not because they'll get or... out of jail yeah ugh well, that is the story of Michelle Fuller and Desiree Hoskins. They seemed like really, really nice people. They look so sweet and so loving and happy in the photos of them. Like, luckily, like though all their family and friends that posted all these pictures on their legacy.com page, like, thank you. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. We cover so many victims that don't have any photos out there and they're like a million one, of the offender. And it's like shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Like we want to see these people. During their life, during their happiness, mm-hmm. and, you know, remember them as such, not not what the Has creep made them out to be. Yeah. Ugh, stay in prison forever. <sighs> I hope he doesn't get sentenced to death to, like, way later, just because, you know, it's like he, he wants that. Yeah. And like, they always do. They always... He should suffer for a while. Like... Yeah, just a minute. Yeah. Every time I think about these guys, I'm like, man, you know, it's kind of okay for me to... Be, uh, super hypocritical for me to be like yeah rid them of this earth but it's like an eye for an eye but then also i kind of wish they were just kept in solitary confinement mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives and brings me back to the other quote mm-hmm. some people are just indefensible yep. again generation y great, great podcast great quotes great podcast for yeah. sure um any last thoughts mm. fuck you tyrone cade as usual yep Studio wants to bridge the gap between style and function with their fashionable take on high-tech headphones. They don't think you should have to compromise fashion for quality, and that's why they provide products matching the standard of top-rated headphones with modern Scandinavian designs. Offer a fraction of the cost and free worldwide shipping. Plus, our listeners will receive 15% off any purchase with the code HALLOWEEN. Their premium on-ear model, the Regent, is fantastic. The sound is really well-balanced and super clear. It holds over 24 hours of battery life and 20 days of standby life, which is super impressive. It's great for on-the-go listeners or at-home podcasting with both auxiliary and Bluetooth compatibility. You can even personalize it with interchangeable caps. 
Scandinavian design, and high-quality sound. And you, you can get 15% off the Regent or any of their other awesome headphones by going to www.studio.com and using promo code HALLOWEEN. Again, show your support for this podcast and get 15% off your studio headphone purchase by visiting sudio.com and using code HALLOWEEN. Studio.com, promo code HALLOWEEN. Do it right meow. Meow. All right, so this murder, very convoluted to a certain extent, uh, kind of kept me guessing, um, you know, who was the killer. I personally went back and forth several times on it. Um, I also had a problem with the police interrogation tactics Ugh. in this case, which I don't always, but yeah. I'd say like 60-40. Yeah. Or like 40-60, whichever like one you put first. When, when we do it. have a problem, it's because it's like really not okay. Yeah. And normally in this one, like I said, I, I found the Dateline episode on this after the fact. And so initially I wouldn't have thought of, I wouldn't have thought that way. But right. after seeing the interrogation videos, I'm like, skirt. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this is like kind of a perfect example for me, I guess, of how forced confessions can occur, especially when mm. it deals with like younger uh, teenagers, you know, early 20s. And like these people were a little socially um, reserved and you'll kind of understand what I mean when I get into it. But okay. um, so I wanted to find a murder that took place in Italy, Texas. <laughs> but... It's a real place. Instead, all I could do was find one where the victim was from Italy, Texas. Fair enough. Yeah. That works. So this town actually prefers to be pronounced Italy. so Texan. I know. I don't. It, Italy. That was good. Was it? Yeah. Thank you. I'm proud. <laughs> uh, it's like 45 minutes south of Dallas. Like you kind of you blink and you're through it. Um, I don't even think it's like more than 2,000 people. It's really small. Um, so like I said, the victim will be from this town. So this is the beyond unfortunate murder of Samantha Michelle Nance in September of 2009. Okay. Okay. You can always give me that look of like, I know this. I know. No, I just I was like, Michelle, that was mine too. I'm looking oh, up yeah. now where Italy is and where Irving is. I feel like okay. they're like, here. Yeah. Oh, and they're both with eyes. Oh, my God. What? We're on theme. And the Shelly. She goes by Shelly. So that's really funny. Wow. Because yours is Michelle. Oh, my uh-huh. gosh. It's all happening. What? All right. So she preferably went by Shelly, even though I kind of feel she actually looked more like a Samantha or like a Sam. But she also looks like a girl that I knew that her name was Samantha. So it could just be. Yeah, projecting. You doing it. <laughs> um, so at the time of her death, Shelly was a 20-year-old college student in Dallas. She actually had won an art competition in high school. She beat out over like 100 applicants. Um, she received a $13,000 scholarship to wow. uh, yeah to the Art Institute of Dallas. That's cool. Uh, like I saw the picture of the art that got her first place or whatever. And it's very, you know, ethereal. It's very colorful, kind of like mermaid on acid type stuff it's it's very different but it's cohesive at the same time i don't know um she evidently was a real homebody compared to her older sisters who seemed to kind of i don't know act like quote normal teenagers or whatever that means anymore um she kind of had like a bit of like a ren fair vibe like faux kind of goth girl thing um nerdy girl like video games that kind of thing not nerdy cool. in a bad way but you know what i mean she yeah. was just 
a little different. Yeah. Not like I'm a cheerleader or I'm a basketball player or whatever, you know. Someone we probably would have been friends with or who. Uh, not a, I wouldn't be cool enough to be friends with someone who's yeah, good at drawing and video games. She would be in like Josh's Dungeons and Dragons group right. every Monday. God damn it. Um, so she was actually quoted in her yearbook saying, you laugh at me because I'm different, but I laugh at you because you're all the same. Oh, I love her I know. so much. I was like, girl, I wish I was as ballsy as you were. Oh. Like, good for you. Um, anyway, so she found herself fitting in, making friends. Like I said, the boys that kind of had, you know, probably dismissed her in high school. They were pretty much, I don't want to say like falling all over her, but they were falling over her all over her for the right reasons because she was good at art. She was really smart. She was into all the stuff. Like you said, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons, like the mm-hmm. guys would think she was cool because she knew what she was talking about. Right. And, and she was actually a very, very cute girl, I think. Aww. I feel like she probably had the best teeth of any victim so far that we've had. She Aww. had really nice teeth. And Lucky. I'm weird about teeth. Lucky. <laughs> I had braces twice. It's not that great. I've never had braces, but my teeth are kind of weird. They're all checked. And headgear and oh, rubber bands. Oh, no. I'm so yeah, sorry. It's fine. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. Smile Direct Club should become one of our sponsors. <laughs> um, she did like Sailor Moon cosplay. I think I saw some pictures of her doing that. What a cutie. Yeah. Uh, she was just really fun, quirky. I don't feel like she should have been raised in Italy. She just, she was far above a small town. I just, mm-hmm. It's very sad for me to see that this happened. Mm. Um, so she was majoring in animation. She had about a year to go before getting her bachelor's degree. She was just all around wholesome, well-behaved, modest, mature. She was just kind of in a league of her own, sort of. Cool. Um, her family, though, almost made it seem like she just kind of faded into the background and was sort of forgotten about. Maybe they weren't into the stuff that she was into, so they're just like... I don't know. They also seem very supportive, but it, it okay. just kind of got on my nerves because they just kept mentioning how meek and reclusive she was, which could be the truth, but it was just kind of like, I don't know. I'm sure she would light up when you talk to her about her cosplaying. Right, right. Cosplaying yeah. And, you know, like it's... Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like it. they made her sound weird mm. when she probably wasn't. They right. just like, I don't know. She seemed very sheltered. But that's not always a bad thing. No. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. So while her parents were on their way to start their vacation at Yellowstone National Park, her mother would send Shelly and her sisters a text letting them know that they had started their drive. They never heard back from Shelly. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents worried, but her older, one of her older sisters, Shauna, told them that she was probably okay. She was being a normal college kid. Um, not to worry about it. Um, finally, after another day of not hearing from Shelly, the parents reach out to the school for help. Wow. They yeah. went straight to it. Yeah. They were like... Good for them. I think... Uh, I can't remember the mileage, but regardless, they were almost there, basically. Yeah, that's pretty far away. Um, the school initially kind of procrastinated doing this, like, pseudo-welfare check on Shelly, um, but finally checked to see if Shelly had been absent from any of her classes. Not so spoiler alert. <clears throat> She had missed class, and this would lead the school to contact her roommate and fellow student, Ashley Olvera. Um, The two girls lived in the Falls housing apartment complex. The Institute kind of had, like, partnered with to put a lot of their art students in, um, which, according to some, wasn't in the best area of town or at least kind of would transform into more of a sinister area at night. Okay. Um, Ashley was also from a small town, Taft, to be exact. Hmm. near Corpus Christi. Um, it's noted she's also, you know, shy like Shelly, but more apt to be social 
um, she would be the one to find Shelly dead in their apartment later that day. In the apartment. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, Ashley would later tell authorities that she came home after classes the day prior, not seeing Shelly, and never heard or saw Shelly come home that evening. They had different class schedules, uh, so not seeing each other, you know, would be a common occurrence. But Ashley would also attend class the next morning and still didn't see Shelly. Finally, that afternoon, after being contacted by the school and the parents, this is when Ashley would arrive at the apartment, enter Shelly's bedroom after her not answering uh, her knocks on the door. Um, She would call out to her from the doorway asking, you know, are you okay? Still no answer. She goes over. She flips on the light as well. Um, She goes over to the bed. She shakes her and finally sees um, that after moving the blanket that Shelly had been stabbed to death. Wow. Oh, and we have a stabbing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. This is all the same. Oh. Um, Ashley told police that it wasn't unusual for Shelly to stay in her room for days at a time. She was very fond of being alone. Ashley said that Shelly was super private. She would just put on her headphones, stay in her room and draw like for days on end. So maybe they weren't that great of friends. They were just literally just roommates. Yeah. Okay. Um, one investigator didn't really believe that you could live with someone, share a bathroom and just not hear or see anything. This investigator would also ask Ashley if they even liked each other. Right. And she would say, you know, we didn't fight, but we just had disagreements, you know, just about girl stuff. We just lived in two different worlds. Okay. So police would arrive at the apartment. They wouldn't dust for fingerprints on the front door. I know. Since there were no signs of forced entry. In like parentheses, I put, stop doing that. Right. (laughs) We all know by now that you're more likely to be killed by someone you know. So just dust for the fucking prints anyway. Yes. You know, I don't really... Can't hurt. Right. But. Right. It's not like that takes, you're, you're not peeling yeah. tiny pieces of DNA off. You're just dusting. Yeah, it's fine. Ashley would claim that she couldn't remember if the front door was unlocked when she arrived home. She said she used her key out of habit, regardless if she knew if anyone was home or not. Um, but she did think it opened a bit easier than usual. You know, if it's unlocked and you put your key in, it does kind of just like it, it go quicker. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It doesn't have anything mm-hmm. to push, but yep. you know what I mean? Um, police. Would, however, recover partial prints from the interior patio door. Okay. Bloodstains were found in the bathroom the girls shared. Mm. Only one bathroom. On the bathtub and more in um, the sink. It was very minimal, but yet it was obvious. Okay. Detectives would also observe that the tub was uh, still quite wet. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Ashley claims she did see the blood on the sink and tub and says that she knows it was weird, um, that she didn't think to ask um, Shelly what was up or if she, you know, had cut herself, if she was okay, etc. Um, she just didn't have an answer for why she ignored the blood. Water break. I guess I'll just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One report says more blood would be found on items throughout the apartment and even into the kitchen. Um, And this is where police noticed two knives were missing. Mm. Um, The only evidence besides the blood was a small piece of blue latex found on Shelly's wrist. Hmm. Yes. Um, Latex like a latex glove, not like a condom. Not like condom. Okay. So that was going to be a question. Okay. Shelly's autopsy would begin on September 12th, uh, to which the medical examiner would find that she was already in the stage of um, decomposition that would have placed her deceased about 24 to 36 hours prior. Um, depending on like environmental conditions, like the temperature of her room, okay. etc. So basically from the moment her parents texted her, she was probably dead. Right. Um, when we get into the trial for her murder, the state would try and claim that her death was exactly on Thursday between 9 a.m. and noon. 
but the medical examiner couldn't officially determine that time exactly and didn't want to state otherwise. So I just thought that that was kind of refreshing to hear. You know, you have a medical examiner and the prosecution who are on like the same side, right? Mm -hmm. And one of them is still saying, no, I can't give you that, you know, definitively, which I thought was like, thanks. You know, don't just lie or just be like, yeah, sure. Because that's the kind of shit that fucks shit up. Mm -hmm. Doing (laughs) your job. Um, uh, Her autopsy reports would show that Shelly, who was found face down in her bed, believed by the police to most likely be asleep when the attack occurred, had over 40 stab wounds inflicted upon her back, head, and neck. The majority of those wounds were found on the right side of her neck. Her right jugular vein and carotid artery were completely severed and damage to the left side of the same vessels were perforated. And are these all on her back, or are they all, like... The majority of them were on her neck, but so, some were in her back and head. Okay, so it, it was... I was thinking, like, someone was trying to not look at her while they were doing it, but... I kind of bring this up. Oh, okay, so okay. similar sort of question. So um, there were no signs of rape. Wow. Um, she had multiple bru- bruises on her scalp as a possible result of blunt trauma, such as her head smacking the headboard during the attack. Um, Huh. I just thought of something else. Never mind. Mm. Uh, noise factors. Anyway, she also had many defense- defensive wounds on her hands and fingers. So this is where I wrote too. This is kind of odd to me because, you know, they think that she was asleep based on her position, which um, I don't know. I, I guess, but she has all these defensive wounds on her hands. So her right. positioning isn't super relevant to the case, but it was weird to me because I figured you'd get defensive wounds from blocking your attacker from like the mm-hmm. front. Yeah. If they attack you from above or, you know, behind while she's laying down on her stomach, it's harder to protect yourself and in turn get defensive wounds. Yeah. I know that it's not 100% accurate, that theory, but I mean, you can obviously, you know, block yourself from other directions. But I just thought that maybe she was staged to look like she was asleep on her stomach with the blanket pulled over in case someone, you know, popped their head in and was like, hey, are you okay? Or whatever. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Because if you're, if someone's sleeping and you're attacking them from behind with a knife, you could pretty easily kill them with one fatal blow without them having to defend themselves. And I mean, she clearly, the first stab didn't kill her. Right. You know, and they just kept, she she fought. 27 more after the first one? I mean, there's 42. Oh, 40. God. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so investigators would immediately turn to Nathan Shuck, Forensic Files, as the prime suspect. Nathan was Shelley's boyfriend of only two months. He was from Coppell. It's a little suburb of Dallas. Um, She had actually told her mom that her dad probably wouldn't like him because he had piercings and tattoos. I didn't really see anything on him, but that doesn't mean otherwise. Um, Supposedly, according to statements, the furthest the couple had actually gone physically was that they had held hands once. Wow. They're both 20, dating for two months, only held hands once. Hmm. Nathan was actually a really cute guy. Um, However, the police would think that he was a bit odd. This is just also frustrating. Oh to God! Me. Don't tell me that he had like metal music and like Baphomet uh, posters and shit. Like no, but might as well have been. Mm. Um, like in reference to like the police being biased, but <laughs> or prejudice. Before he lived off campus and got a roommate, he still had his mom drive him to school every day because he had an avid fear of driving. Um, doubt was placed on his statements about him being a virgin as well as his affinity for throwing stars, samurai swords, and knives. Oh, so he was a nerd. Yeah. Full on. They said, oh, you know, it was like, I think it was the prosecutor was like, 
doubting him because of the fact that his MySpace profile picture was him dressed as a ninja. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. No, he's just a, a big old nerd. Mm-hmm. And there's... Exactly. Yeah. Um, investigators asked him why he never tried to make a move on uh, Shelly while they were in his bedroom. And he said, we just like playing video games. That's all. Uh, she was his first girlfriend. Okay. That's yeah. pretty cute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're both shy nerds. Yes, that's exactly. not, not believable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lead investigator during Nathan's questioning, this is the beginning of the pissed offness that I have, mm, great. would make him lift up his shirt and turn in a circle looking for cuts or scratches on his body, you know, implicating evidence of Shelley's defense attempts. But wouldn't they have healed by then? No, it was just a couple days later. Wow. That's yeah. Quick. That they okay. like go right after it. So, okay. um, so he did have scratch marks on his lower stomach close to his waistline. I was really, really sad in this moment in the tape. Um, He basically, in more or less words, would claim that they're marks of self-harm. So, of course, the investigator didn't believe him. He Mm -hmm. called him a psychopath who got mad when he found out Shelly wanted to break up with him. Um, which where did that come from supposedly i I forget i mentioned it somewhere down the line but um supposedly shelly had gone to her mother not too long before and said that she thought she might want to break up with him um but obviously hadn't acted on it right you know what i mean so it was just i'll go into it more because there's a reason why she says it okay um so he attests to never knowing about Shelley's desire to break up with him. The investigator would also make remarks more or less saying, who collects knives? That's so weird. Like, who does that? And it's like, um, I do. Like, literally everyone we know, I <laughs> yeah. feel. It's, I, and especially it's like samurai swords. You know yeah. what I mean? Not that you can't lose your shit and go kill people with a samurai sword. But like, right. he's an innocent baby. Like, he's exactly. not. I mean, you never know. But I highly doubt it. He was a very mm-hmm. fragile individual. He he didn't drive. He couldn't have gone. To, whatever. Right. That's fine. The samurai swords or on the wall in this on this like display or right. they're like on a little knife. Throwing right. stars. Like, yeah. It's not like, just like I collect weird weapons. Like he wanted to be a ninja. Right. Like, it's fine. Nerd. Um, to Nathan's detriment, detectives would search his apartment and find a plastic bag covered in Shelly's blood and hair in his bathroom. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, just drop that bomb on you. Um, this caused Nathan to immediately request an attorney. Whoa. Yeah. Good. You structured this very well. That just... Thank you so much. I, I literally <laughs> just was saying, like, oh, you're just a little nerd. And you're like... Boom, I told you, you go back and forth. What? On this, okay. okay. Um, so in the meantime, police start asking around. They get in contact with some of Nathan, Nathan's friends and his roommate, Daniel William. First of all, his last name is William, but it's W-I-L-Y-A-M. But he's also from Indonesia, so it's okay. it's fine. But I was just like, William. <laughs> Daniel was more than a roommate for Nathan. He would drive him to, to and from school. He would cook his meals, do his laundry, etc. They were close, to say the least. Uh, Daniel, however, would make some pretty defaming statements to the police, and he said that he thought Nathan was obsessed with Shelly, and he was stalking her. He said he noticed Nathan's grades drop, and he wasn't home that often, and he was just spending all his time with Shelly. Sounds like you're kind of jealous. Indeed. The police did the right thing. They kept interviewing Daniel, uh, getting his story. Daniel was almost a decade older than both Daniel and Shelly. So he was, I think, 28. Uh, no, maybe. OK, never mind. I thought I read an article that said 28, 29. But now I'm thinking about the video. I think he was only 26. But still, still that's significantly, significantly older, older, especially when you think about their 
personal interests and just mm-hmm. naivety and you know what I mean yeah. sheltered life yeah. they were 20 but they were like a little younger yeah. than that yeah no. um he was a former officer in the navy who hey another connection oh my god <laughs> Uh, who maintained his position his position as a pastry chef while in the service. Daniel was also openly gay. His roommate prior to Nathan, Chris Phillips, claims Daniel actually came out to him when they were living together. Um, Chris was good friends with both Shelly and Nathan. Um, he would be, I'm pretty sure in the dateline, he would be the one that drove Nathan to the apartment. Okay. He got the phone call about her death, etc. Okay. Um, he comes into play. He get, He's a good witness for this whole thing. Um, so Chris would recall Daniel being needy with a short temper. He uh, said that he didn't like when Chris would bring girls home or, you know, people just that he didn't know. Um, and Chris was like, you know, I'm in college. I want to hook up with girls. I want to mm-hmm. have parties. Like it's, you know, quote, normal, whatever. Um, Chris claims that Daniel never initiated a sexual advance towards him. Um, and he also said that Chris would actually get upset and didn't thank him for cleaning or cooking. So it's like he didn't want to be with him, mm-hmm. but he wanted like recognition and be like, do you see what I'm doing for you? Right. Like, I love you or whatever. Okay. Um, it will later come to light that Daniel had quite an extensive uh, and angry past. In 2005, Daniel would ask to be removed from the ship he was stationed on, stating, quote, he was so upset with his superiors that he might be tempted to use pots and pans or hot grease and knives to hurt them because he worked in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So that's what he had as weapons. I don't know. That's an alarming statement. Yeah. Right. Um, After speaking with classmates and even professors, everyone would state that Daniel was a very nice, helpful and thoughtful guy, not this, you know, violent and temperamental person from his Navy days. Um, after Ashley, Nathan, and Daniel were interviewed on multiple occasions, all of their stories stayed consistent except for Daniel's. Ah. So he claimed he had reached out to Ashley, uh, Shelly's roommate, to see if she wanted to get lunch or hang out the day of Shelly's murder. Um, he then said in his interview, one of his interviews, that he had spent the day driving up to White Rock Lake for a class assignment in which he had to take some photographs. This is just silly to me. He said he forgot his camera. I'm like, that's what you drove up there for? I mean, yeah. I've made some dumb mistakes and been like, what the fuck? I forgot the thing I needed or whatever. But it's like, I don't know. You're going up there for the sole right. reason. Right. Like, at some point, it's a school you're assignment. Like, it's not just like oops. you were busy doing what I don't know. Yeah. That's why he's explaining that he has no pictures. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he forgot his camera. He went to meet up with his classmate, a girl named Jessica, who was also doing the assignment, but she wasn't home. Um, you'd think you would communicate a little bit better, mm-hmm. see if you're home, but whatever. Uh, he said he then picked up Nathan, uh, later around 10 PM from school after he got out to go back home. Okay. Um, his story would change during his second interview. He left out that he had made a stop at Walmart before heading to the lake. I believe that's the order. It doesn't matter really when it, he stopped at Walmart and he left that part out. Okay. Um, <coughs> sorry. Interestingly enough. Video footage and a copy of his receipt would show he bought hair dye, soap, and nitrile latex gloves. Me. Hmm. Um, he claimed he suffered from premature graying and he dyed his hair. You know, again, he is older than some. And I know that happens. My mom went gray at 16, so it happens. Hair dye comes with gloves. Yep. 
The box hair dye, however, already came with yeah. a pair of gloves. <laughs> yep. Um, so I, I read an article where he said he had um, an allergy, but usually it's a latex allergy. Right. So maybe I read it wrong, but I'm 99% sure that, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. If you have an allergy, it's too latex. Yeah. So you would not buy latex gloves. I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah. Uh, he would also leave out the huge fact that this girl, Jessica, lived at the Falls Apartments. Oh. So this. That places him at the scene. Right. Exactly. So when police asked why he failed to mention this the first time around, he said he had been mugged that day at the complex, at, at the complex, um, by an African-American man who stole the cash he had on him. I think it was about 40 bucks and his backpack. Basically trying to say he was, you know, embarrassed about the robbery. He didn't, you know, uh, he was he was embarrassed and he just didn't want to bring it up. And nope, you're talking to cops. You tell them that. Right. And that's what they were like. You don't leave that kind of thing out. Yeah. And police didn't buy it. Yeah. Especially so. if you're mugged in the area. It's like, OK, there could be a violent criminal running around. Right, And that's why I prefaced that this apartment complex was known to kind of not be the best, but it was in the middle of the day in the right. morning afternoon and there's so, still I a mean, bunch of students around I don't, I don't know maybe that is an opportune time to rob someone but i don't know i don't rob people <laughs> uh further video surveillance would show daniel um incessantly texting ashley like it literally shows him like at the checkout line like on his phone like frantically texting wow um texting ashley about her plans that day i guess they can base the records off of the text message time compared to the walmart video okay it wasn't like you saw her name or anything on the phone right um so he was texting Ashley about her plans that day if she still wanted to get together, yada, yada. Police would assume that this was to ensure he knew her plans for the day and to confirm that the apartment wouldn't be occupied by her. Mm-hmm. He wanted to get a set sort of timeline of when she would be there, if she was in class, what she was doing, all that stuff. Right. Um, but also, I mean, kind of smart to like make it seem like you're trying to do something other than what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, police would also recall that there were no signs of forced entry, like I said before, which meant someone needed a key. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley would later remember that she loaned Daniel her car one day a few weeks prior. Her apartment key was on that same key ring as her car keys, um, which would give Daniel an opportunity to make a copy. Wow. Um, that's just a theory. We don't know. Right. Um, they still had Nathan and Ashley to rule out as suspects just to be sure. Um, Nathan's alibi was that he was at school that day of the murder using an on-campus computer and he, you know, confirms just like Daniel said that he was picked up by him around 10 PM. Um, Ashley's whereabouts were also confirmed. I couldn't find really where or how or what I'm assuming if she was in class and Mm -hmm. then was contacted, you know, by the school to go find Shelly basically and that's kind of how they knew that she was right still in the area but the day before I couldn't confirm exactly okay. but evidently it was um, both were cleared as suspects <clears throat> at Shelly's funeral back in Italy Nathan attended along with numerous friends and faculty from the school as well as the majority of the town's people Shelly's mother was enraged that Nathan was there to show his support and love for Shelly wow. and she wouldn't speak to him because I mean at this point yeah, he was cleared, but they don't know. Yeah. You know? That's true. I mean, their boyfriend is always the main suspect. Right. And they're basically saying, well, we have proof of where he was, but we don't have really proof of where Daniel was. Right. So we're taking the lesser of two evils or whatever mm-hmm. that phrase is. Um, so things got even more weird when the blood and the fingerprints found at the scene wouldn't be linked to either Nathan or Daniel. What the fuck? Mm. 
So since Nathan was ruled out of the suspect pool and Daniel essentially placed himself, you know, at the apartment complex at the same time of the murder, he became the focus. There was the uh, massive effort placed on testing this blue material found on Shelly's body um, to the gloves that Daniel had purchased. Tests would confirm it was the same type of material and from the same manufacturer, but 100% certainty could not be confirmed since the Walmart items he had supposedly bought were stolen in this mucking or whatever in the backpack that day. So a definitive test, you know, it couldn't be done. Let me take one out of your package and test it and so on and so forth. Right, exactly. It was just like, this is the same brand he bought. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's little things like that that can make all the difference, though. Yep. Because so. if they had that, they could say, well, this little strip is missing from that glove and it's on her body, <laughs> so you're guilty. And it's like, what did he do with the backpack if he didn't get mugged? Right. I don't know. Uh, the leading theory that uh, is that Daniel was angry with Nathan for not inviting him places that Nathan and Shelly were going. Uh, you know, being grateful for his almost, you know, like parental actions around the home. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, that Nathan essentially rejected him. Um, He had on camera made numerous complaints that he just felt like they were ungrateful and that they weren't including him in things. And like the interviewer was like, but they were on a date. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I know, but it it just it would be courteous to ask. And it's just like, okay, man, how much attention do you need? Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So. Uh, Regardless if uh, Daniel made any hints at wanting to be romantically involved with Nathan or not, Daniel viewed him as more than a friend in his mind, and he was being ignored and avoided by Daniel because of Shelly. So police believe that Daniel murdered Shelly and planted the evidence in Nathan's bathroom to frame him for her death as a form of revenge. Yep, that sounds about right to me. Yeah, I know, right? It really kind of does, but... Even Shelly's mother would tell the police that Shelly told her on several occasions that Daniel tried to corner her in the school hallways, constantly messaging her about she and Nathan and how it just really made her uncomfortable. Wow. Maybe Uh, that's why she wanted to break up with Nathan. Well, and this is where this comes into play. So she confronts Nathan about this and was like, what's the deal? And Nathan got really offended and stood up for Daniel. Wow. And was like, what the fuck? You know, he doesn't act that way around me or anybody else. Hmm. And they interviewed people and they were like, no, you know, he's a really nice guy. So I think that was the kind of catalyst to her being like, Nah, I'll pass. Um, So Ashley would also attest to the fact that that's all that Daniel would talk about and message her about as well. So even if the conversation started out normal, he would always circle back it around, uh, circle it back around to talking shit about Shelly and bitching about Nathan. Um, He would claim he was concerned for Nathan because he thought Shelly was a bad influence on him and he just wanted to ask her what was going on because of this supposed dramatic change he noticed in Nathan's behavior, mood, grades, etc. Um, Daniel would state that he even heard Nathan crying in his room the night that Shelley would have been killed. He said that he, um, you know, tried to ask him what was wrong and Nathan just brushed it off. And my personal opinion is that he suffered from some sort of depression, perhaps mm-hmm. mental situation, you know, hence the possible self-harm that yeah. he self-admitted to his phobias um his more reserved nature so maybe he was just crying because he was struggling with depression i don't know it's none of your fucking business having a shitty moment having an episode um nathan's grades would be looked into for this supposed gpa drop which i thought was actually a smart move like Mm -hmm. all it takes is a phone call yep and um it turns out to be false oh wow his grades were just fine oh okay 
Um, Daniel would in fact be arrested. Arrested. <laughs> Daniel would be in fact arrested and charged with first degree murder, despite zero physical evidence linking him to the crime, only circumstantial. Wow. A jury would convict and sentence Daniel to life in prison after only three hours of deliberation. Wow. He swears up and down he didn't kill Shelly. He said it would be like if his younger sister had been murdered. Uh, he said he would kill himself before killing another person. This It was a kind of a sad moment in the interview because he's crying when he's saying this. It almost seemed like a forced cry. You know when you think about someone in your family or someone that you really care about? Think about Brennan getting murdered Mm -hmm. you know if you think about it long enough you could start crying about it oh yeah and i feel like that was kind of that moment okay and then he started really thinking about it and maybe remembering that he did kill her Mm. and then the tears became real or something and he was showing remorse and it was funny because he was like you know if this happened to my sister and the interviewer was like yeah but it happened to shelly right and he was like good for that i know (laughs) and he was like yeah i know but and that's terrible but i didn't kill her and it's like, okay, well, fuck off. Yeah, if it happened to my sister, conjure tear, conjure tear, conjure tear. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, his point. appeals would consist of pretty valid arguments, but all would be denied. Uh, Shelly's mother did apologize to Nathan after her behavior at the funeral for doubting his involvements for the murder. So mm. I thought that was nice. Yeah, she didn't have to do that. Her baby got murdered. Yeah. She, she doesn't know anyone's sure. shit. Yeah. Um, this was really good. That I really wanted to add this part in here. So Daniel's alternative suspect... Is none other than Chris Phillips, his old roommate, the good friend of Shelly and Nathan. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just kind of an interesting little twist at the end because I was like, huh, okay. He believes that since he was friends with both Shelly and Nathan, he could have had a key to each apartment and could have killed Shelly and planted the bloody plastic bag back in their apartment. But what would the motive be? Exactly. Right. But you had a motive, sir. Jealous Janet. Well, in my questions and theories, I go into motive because it's kind of interesting. But um, before that, I'll read her uh, obituary because it was very sweet. Um, so this loving young soul was taken away too early from us. Samantha Michelle, in parentheses, Shelly Nance, went to be with the Lord on September 11th, 2009. Shelly was an award-winning artist. She was a student at the Art Institute of Dallas. She was majoring in multimedia arts and animation. She loved animals, computers, anything to do with art. This 20-year-old woman was well on her way to achieving her life's dreams of being an artist. She was a 2007 graduate of Italy High School. She might not have been the most popular student in her school, but she knew what she wanted to do with her life. As Shelley once said, I am off in my own world while the rest faces reality. She was a free-spirited young woman. Shelley was a member of Central Baptist Church in Italy, Texas. She was a loving daughter, sister, aunt, granddaughter, and niece. This precious angel will always be loved and missed by anyone and everyone who knew her. Um, if anyone is interested in seeing her artwork firsthand, please vi- visit her website. Um, and it gives the website. I don't know how to say her website, so I'm not going to. <laughs> we to can post that. the link. Yeah. Um, so questions and theories. Mm-hmm. I don't really have much to say in this department because as much speculation as I could possibly stir up, there really isn't much to go on. I think that the one thing I question, I guess, is if he did get mugged and he was, the, you know, embarrassed, whatever, he thought, whatever, $40 and my backpack of hair dye, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, is it really worth reporting this and going through all that? The neighborhood was known to be kind of shitty. Is it going to go anywhere? Right. And so... That's the only thing I can think of in that sense to like why he didn't report the mugging or whatever. Um, I personally think that Ashley looks guilty as fuck. 
but yeah she it does because like what you kind of clicked into you're like oh wait she has bruising on her head because she hit the headboard or something like it right he would have daniel would have had to and possibly could have really fucking planned it out so it was very premeditated i mean they the both fact could have. that he was in walmart buying gloves and also hair dyed that's a good way to be like well yeah i needed extra gloves exactly to clean i guess yeah and so you think ashley has more to do with it um allegedly yeah allegedly i just i thought it was interesting i said i know that they supposedly cleared her with her being in class or whatever but if motive is really and truly, the only thing that put him in prison, I'm surprised her motive wasn't taken as seriously as well. Right. And I mean, I don't, they never mentioned that she logged into a computer at school. There was no swipe of a, a you know, school Key ID right. or whatever. So I don't really know for certain how they narrowed her out of the scenario because I mean, they went in on her hard at the beginning hmm. because you don't, how do you, how did she not smell the body? How did she just, yeah. you know, you can know, you can tell if someone's in another room doing stuff. I mean, it's not like she's just going to lay in bed for two days and not do anything. She'll be up. Right. She'll move around. She'll, they share a fucking bathroom for God's mm-hmm. sake. She would have heard her go pee or something, brush her teeth. Yeah. You, so you have to really hold contempt for a person if you just don't, notice their presence at all you know like you and i mean she made herself relatively invisible yeah as a roommate but like there was no plates in the sink right. there there was no you know the trash wasn't a little fuller there was no food missing from fucking the fridge. blood like, on the sink right I mean, like they also talk about how that they she and nathan stopped hanging out at his apartment because of daniel so she didn't notice that nathan wasn't ever over or mm-hmm. you know what i mean there was no social interaction happening in that sense like yeah I get her explanation, but I don't. She never gave a reason for not saying anything about the blood. Not even like calling up someone and being like, hey, what do I do? I saw this. I don't want to bother her. I don't know what's happening. I'm kind of weirded out. It's definitely fishy. Like, I I mean, that makes me think of like the the Lululemon murder. And it's Mm -hmm. like these people next door at the Apple store heard things and they didn't report it. And it's like Ashley probably noticed something wasn't right, but she didn't do anything about it. If she had no involvement, like allegedly, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, she definitely didn't do what she should have. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. As a roommate, like you would like, like I said, I didn't see my brother for a couple days on end because we worked opposite schedules and whatever, but I would still make sure that he was to work on time or right and it's there's that 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 sibling connection mm -hmm. that blood connection where you're gonna innately care about his whereabouts yeah that's true he's doing these girls didn't know each other but it's like you still like you live with someone you share a space with someone like i don't know how long they lived together either it could have been for four years it could have been for four months that's true i don't know yeah that is it, it is definitely weird and if not fishy, at least just If I could have found something weird. that would have been like, hey, this is how we know that she was in class. Mm-hmm. It never really, no one said anything. It was just kind of like, yeah, she was at school. I mean, I hope it wasn't something as simple as they interviewed classmates and they were like, yeah, yeah Ashley was in class. Because that's what she said about Shelly. She told them, no, I, I, saw her, I saw her today. Right. And it's like, oh, you know, you think back, oh, no, that was actually on a Monday or, right. you know, it was over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Or I think that it would have been interesting besides the fact that she didn't say anything about the blood. Mm-hmm. She didn't smell a bleeding body for yeah. two fucking days. What if she gave Daniel her car keys, you know, or her, a copy of her key? You know what I mean? What if she knew that he was doing this? What if she 
what if they did it together? Allegedly. Allegedly. I just... Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about it before, how, you know, it's, you don't want to think that you can find too mm. fucked up people enough, and but sometimes... I know that he has this glove thing going against him, but that still totally isn't confirmed. That's true. My point is that each suspect's alibis, situations, whatever, there's reasonable doubt. Yes, and it's crazy that he was put away right. with I mean, all of this. We see it all the time, but mm-hmm. I do think Daniel looks bad. My biggest issue is that if I was a member of that jury, I could not definitively say beyond a reasonable doubt that he was guilty. Yep. I can sit here and I can convince myself about... Any one of these. Yeah. You know, he's a violent uh, male with a violent past and he maybe harassed her. He was in love with her boyfriend, yada, yada. But I still have doubt. Yeah. And I can convince myself of the same crime with Ashley because maybe she was jealous of her success with art. Mm -hmm. Maybe she was jealous of her boyfriend um you know whatever maybe she had a crush on nathan who knows or she had a crush on her fuck i don't know there's Um, endless amounts because we just have no real evidence no and except what was planted on nathan and it's like well nathan was cleared so it's like well there goes all of our hard evidence right and i just feel that reasonable doubt determines people's futures Mm -hmm. and motive just isn't always enough for me yeah I mean, that's Imagine what... Imagine if that glove hadn't been found or that piece of glove hadn't been found. Like, where would it, this exactly. case be at all? Yeah. Like, you can... That's what a defense attorney or a prosecutor, that's what their job is. It's to paint a picture and play out this movie for the jurors to sway them towards their side. Mm-hmm. So you can... You can elaborate however you oh, want. Oh, yeah. Motive can pop up out of nowhere. Like, they said about Nathan was mad that he was going to, she was going to break up with him. It's like, you kind of pulled that out of your ass out of something her mom said, like, offhandedly. Yeah. Like, and they didn't even know the root of why until exactly. later. And it's like, well, if you would have fucking found that out, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's a very weird case. They also said that um, he, or Chris had said that uh, Daniel was, like, a major clean freak very organized, yada, yada. And so when the crime scene was relatively clean, super clean, besides the blood here and there, it just Mm -hmm. made it seem almost extra planted, maybe. right? They didn't go into if Ashley and Shelly were messy or not. I mean, the apartment looked pretty normal. It wasn't Mm. perfect, but it wasn't, you know, completely in shambles. So I wonder if, like, he was anal about cleaning up, and that's why it was covered up so good with, you know, DNA or, like, I don't know, but you're going to lose hair. Your hair is going to fall on someone. You're mm-hmm. going to sweat. You're going to... Stabbing someone 40 times, I don't know. That's a lot. Was there any blood found in his car? Was his car even tested? Yes, the cars were tested. Okay. Um, I didn't put that in there because I just... It hadn't... Nothing came of it, so whatever. But mm-hmm. the cars were tested and nothing was in there. So, wow. I mean... For I, you to be able to clean off that much blood in the shower on yourself, but then leave droplets behind, like, I feel like that's... Did he shower, though? I'm right. thinking that it was homegirl. She showered before class and just said, meh, fuck it. I see that blood, but I don't care. Maybe. Alleged. Yeah, allegedly. I, I, how, how do you walk off in bloody clothes? Right. And That's true, because then... Like, did they search dumpsters? Like, did they search creeks? Did they sh- mm-hmm. search anywhere where he would have had to change it? his clothes? He would have had to, like, how could nobody have seen him entering or exiting? Or it's, mm-hmm. it's all just, it's, it's very, it's very weird. 
Yeah, I don't know what to think. Um, I could go on forever. This I mean, is a good whodunit. I think Daniel looks really good halfway through. Yeah, question, I circled his name. Sorry. Oh, I don't have many. Like, we've gone through most of them. Okay. Like, I definitely circled his name, but then we could talk for hours mm-hmm. about how, like, well, he couldn't, he could have been framed or he could have been working mm-hmm. with Ashley and Ashley just, like, flipped on him. And it's, yeah. I don't know. I think no matter what, no motive that we've heard whatsoever justified taking Shelly's life. Well, anyone's life, but yeah. it's just like extra you on her. Were she seemed like a gem. Jealous that your friend is hanging out with Ugh. like, fuck you. Like, has he been evaluated like mentally? I, like, not that I saw. That would be interesting um, to know whether or not he has some type of right. schizoid personality disorder. Well, I mean, he flipped out back in 2005 mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what his upbringing was like. I know that they said he was born in Indonesia. He had younger sisters, whatever. But it's like, did he grow up in a, you know, authoritative, you know, crazy household? Was right. he, he obviously wasn't like closeted. Mm-hmm. He came out to his roommate and everyone else kind of knew that he was gay. So it's like, what was his deal? Yeah. Why was he so what was his deal? controlling? And just like a nut job. I don't know. I should not say nut job. That's not very nice. (laughs) It's not very PC of us. Yeah, but I don't know the correct term. Fucking shit. Yeah. And I don't know if I should say schizoid personality disorder. Yeah, because that was wrong with that one too. Probably not correct. (laughs) And also saying psycho is not correct. And also, it's it's Sacco. Sacco. Or what did we call it? Oh, it was Sacco. Sacco or Sacco? Sacco, because I remember I was like, this sounds like sake, like the (laughs) drink. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Sacco is the PC term. There you go. Now and forever. (laughs) All right. Yeah, that was the really, really sad murder of Shelly Nance um, Mm. from Italy, Texas, or Dallas, but she was from Italy. I'm pretty sure there's like a kolache place in Italy. Texas that's supposed to be good. Oh. Could be wrong. Cool. It might be. We have like a, a Athens, Texas. We have like yeah. all the European cities. Because yep. we are not original. original. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> We've got to stop. Um, yeah. Thanks, guys. Follow us everywhere. Texas1031podcast.com to find all of our links. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have PayPal. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes like I did last week. I need to put it on the website. I haven't had time. Sorry. But Yeah. Go do all the things. Mm-hmm. We'll be back next week with more Texas True Crime. And if anyone's listening, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween.